1: Seidenberg on V-CIN, the Sports Betting Network. Back on the look ahead. I'm Scott Seidenberg here on VCN the Sports Betting Network. The NHL Western Conference Finals. Game two goes to the Colorado Avalanche as they hold serve on home ice and take a two-game stun series lead over the Edmonton Oilers. This game uh, got off to an interesting start because Darcy Kemper, the starting goaltender for Colorado, was announced out. He left game one with that upper body injury and also gave up a bunch of goals. So Pavel Fransos was uh, in um, in net, and boy, he looked good. Second career playoff shutout. The Avalanche win 4-0. Uh, three goals coming in the second period. Two of them 15 seconds apart from each other. Wow, just uh and they really you know kind of, they really dominated a lot of the play in that second period. Pressure, puck in the zone the entire time. Miko Rantanen with his uh third goal of the playoffs uh scored to make it 3-nothing and I think at that point you kind of felt like the game was out of reach. And I know it's crazy to say it because both these teams they score and score and score. But the way that the game flow was kind of going um, after that moment, you felt, all right, now it's 3 nothing, And if Edmonton doesn't get one by the end of this period, it's going to be tough to beat them and uh, to beat Colorado. And Nathan McKinnon scores his 10th goal of the playoffs on the power play in the third period. 4 nothing. all she write, all she wrote. Uh, Francois stops just 24 shots. I mean, that's all Edmonton mustered up here in this game. And Colorado had 40 shots on goal. Just completely dominated uh, the offensive zone possessions and clearly looks like the better team. And look, they've been the best team all season. Uh, this is no surprise here that they're, they're here at this point. And kudos to Mike Smith. He's a guy that I've been very uh, critical of. 40 year old goaltender for Edmonton who gave up six goals in uh game number one thought played well you know he made 36 saves and if I if I told you going into this game that Mike Smith makes 36 saves you might think that they win the game but it was unfortunately 40 shots for Colorado And so they take a 2-0 series lead. They are heavy favorites to win this series. And they are now minus 900 to win the series. Anybody interested in plus 600 on the Edmonton Oilers? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, I didn't think so. To win the Stanley Cup, the Avalanche are now minus 155. And taking a look ahead to game three on Saturday in Edmonton, the Avalanche are actually favored at minus 125. Now, this is gonna be the the desperation spot here for Edmonton. You're gonna get the best that Edmonton has to offer because the series is on the line here in game three. If they go down 3-0, they are not winning the series. I know NHL teams to go down 3-0. It is not a good record. List of teams now to overcome a 3-0 deficit. Uh, You have 1942, the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Detroit Red Wings. It's the only time in the Stanley Cup finals that a team overcame a 3-0 deficit to win. In 1975, the New York Islanders defeated the Pittsburgh Penguins, who, uh, after trailing 3-0, and they won eight games while facing elimination in the playoffs that year. In 2010, in the Eastern semifinals, the Flyers came back to beat the Bruins, overcame a 3-0 deficit even in Game 7. And they were the first team since the Islanders did it twice in 1975 to even force a Game Number 7. And in 2014, in the Western Conference Finals in the first round, the Kings came back and defeated the Sharks. Los Angeles won three Game 7s in that playoffs. They hold the record for the most elimination games won in a single playoff year for a Stanley Cup champion with seven. So they come back from 3-0 down in the first round. They go on to win the Stanley Cup uh, title. Besides that, so there's only been three successful. Obviously, in hockey, it's much more likely than any other sport, right? In baseball, it's only happened one time. Boston Red Sox in 04, and it's only happened zero times in NBA playoffs history. That being said, if Edmonton goes down, Three games to none. Uh they ain't winning it. They're just not. So you're gonna get a sellout effort in game number three from Edmonton. Might be intrigued at the, you know, plus one oh five price for the Oilers at home. Or the Avalanche go up the Rio? And the series is over. Whether it's a sweep or whether it comes, you know, goes back to Colorado and they close it out in five, do the whole the gentleman's sweep, what have you. Eastern Conference Finals, game number two on Friday night after the Rangers upset the Tampa Bay Lightning in game number one. Now they face the Lightning after a loss. And this is one of the crazy um, stats that you'll see here. The Lightning have not lost back-to-back playoff games since 2019. They were swept in four games by the Blue Jackets in the first round of the 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs. Since then, Tampa has followed every single playoff loss with a victory. Gerard Gallant had a great quote. He said, quote, I read that they're 17-0 in games after a loss. It doesn't matter to me. It really doesn't. I mean, they didn't beat us 17 times. They beat other teams. We just got to be ready and play our game and go play. We know that they're going to be good. We know they're a great team. Everybody knows that, but it doesn't affect what we're going to do tomorrow. Love it. I love it. Love it from Gerard Gallant. And, he quote, they're going to be ready to play. You don't win two Stanley Cups and not be ready to play this time of the year. We're expecting their pushback, but we're going to play our game. We're going to play the best we can and worry about playing our game. And that's all you got. It That's all you can do if you're the Rangers. Defend home ice. Don't think of this. You know, I, I know that's it's the old cliche, right? One game at a time, one game at a time. But you can't think about taking a 2-0 series lead and being in control of the series or becoming the first team since. 2019 to hand the Lightning a second consecutive playoff loss. No, you got to take this as a one game series. And the book is uh, making the Lightning the favorite once again, clearly buying into the winning streak after a loss. The public is going to be all over the Lightning. Lightning are minus 135. In fact, I'll get you the exact betting splits right now, courtesy of our betting splits page at vcin.com. And I'll tell you exactly what it's at right now. For this game. Ooh, look at this. You got 40% of the bets and 60% of the handle on the Lightning. Whereas you have 60% of the bets, but only 40% of the handle on the ring. Oh, actually, no, that that's the puck line. The money line is what I'm looking for. All right, here we go. Money line, 46% of the bets are on the Lightning, 40% of the handle, 54% of the bets, and 60% of the handle is on the New York Rangers at the plus 115 price. And that's kind of where I lean as well. The Rangers, and I said this after the game one win, are peaking at the right time. I thought there was going to be a little bit of rust for the lightning after they, you know, they had more time off than they had a lot of time off. And the Rangers, everyone thought, "Oh, well, you know, they're going to be tired coming off the game 7." No, they were in rhythm. This team is rolling right now. The worst thing that could happen to this team is just to not play for a week. No. Get back on the ice and keep playing. This is like, uh, this is tournament mode now. And so, yeah, the schedule's brutal, but the schedule's brutal for everybody. But this team is peaking at the right time. The kid line is playing fantastic. Philip Hedl has, uh, what, eight goals these playoffs? I mean, he's on a streak right now over the past several games. Igor Shosturkin looked great in times when Tampa looked like they were taking
0: control of the game after the Rangers jumped out to the... If you dare.
1: Early lead, Shesterkin looked fantastic. And going into game two, I think it's honestly a little bit disrespectful that the Rangers are still underdogs on their home ice. And yes, I'm taking into consideration how good Tampa is and their incredible record after a loss. But let's give credit where credit's due. And the Rangers deserve it. We'll continue the Stanley Cup playoff talk coming up next. Lou Finnecaro will join us here on the program. You can follow Lou on Twitter at GamBlue. Get his thoughts on what we've seen so far from the Eastern and Western Conference Finals and see if he has an early pick for the Conn Smythe winner. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on v On VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Answer so the call of cash with the DraftKings Connect to Victory Challenge sponsored by Verizon. Play for free in this nine-part prediction pool series and take your shot at grabbing a share of $45,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com Verizon now to join the action. Verizon, America's most reliable 5G network. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Seidenberg back here. This is The Look Ahead on v the sports betting network. Here to continue the Stanley Cup playoff conversation, we welcome in our good friend Lou Finacaro. You follow him on Twitter at Gambleu. Lou, I got four words for you, brother. How about them Rangers? (laughs) Well, they did what most
2: teams do in game one when they go right off a game seven win and have but a day or two of rest against a team with more than six days rest and they got the job done. It's a little counterintuitive. Most people think the team with all the rest Really will have the advantage in the one of those early games, and they don't. What happens is, if that team with all the rest can play deep into a series, then that rest may come back to benefit them. Uh, but they got to they got to take that series deep. And I heard you talking in the last segment, and I tend to agree with you. The reason that the Lightning are favored in this game tomorrow is because of the tsunami that they're going to get the tsunami wave of support they're going to get based on trends and we know that trends are looking looking back it's the rear view mirror on the car it's small okay and so uh, i believe in everything that galan said he doesn't care about uh, tampa bay or how many times they've lost or won back to back i can tell you this tampa's gonna play like it is Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, because if Tampa blows this game, first of all, all the pressure's on Tampa, Scott. If they blow this game, their mystique is shattered. And we know from our friend, uh, uh, excuse me, Mackenzie Kramer, my friend at ESPN who does the stats there, teams that take a 2-0 series lead in Stanley Cup playoffs, go on to win 87% of the time. Gallant's going to have his team ready. They're young. They believe, and you don't want a young underdog believing. So if Tampa doesn't take care of business tomorrow night, I think they're in big trouble. And to be quite honest with you, I think they're in big trouble before tomorrow
1: night. Oh, well, I completely agree, Lou. It's not just me and a, being a Rangers homer. I believed in this team. I believed in them back in February when they were 11-1 to 1 to win the Eastern Conference. And, you know, there's, there's just – when you put together your recipe, right, for a Stanley Cup champion, they have all the ingredients, right? You want youth. You want energy. They have it in droves. You want leadership. They clearly have leadership with guys like Chris Kreider and Mika Zabenejad. And you want – Good head coaching, we know they have that, and elite goaltending, which you can argue they have the best of the four that are remaining with all due respect to Andre Vasilevsky. So I think this Rangers team, it's no surprise to to me, and it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that they are here where they are right now, Lou.
2: Yeah, I, I think there's one ingredient that you need to add to your recipe that the Rangers don't have. Cup experience. It's why, it, it, it's why Tampa was maybe the favorite, as big as they were, and it's playoff experience. Yeah. That said, uh, Gallant has said it, and his and his team, his players have said it. I mean, we're we're in the uh, Wales Conference Finals now. They've got experience, and people want to bring up how bad they looked against uh, Pittsburgh. That, that's a hundred years ago <laughs> the hockey. They're playing right now is the hockey that young men play that have bonded together and are chasing a dream together and i believe the hunger for the rangers to try and capture this trophy and this award not only for themselves but for their coach is going to drive them to try and compete with a team that they don't have the experience of but yet i think their their legs are younger they're fresher they believe and they're on the ascent, and I think Tampa's going to have a hard time trying to hold on to the top of the mountain.
1: Yep, only one player on the Rangers with cup experience. That is Barclay Goodrow, who used to be on the Tampa Bay Lightning for the past two years. So that is the only player uh, that has any idea of what this moment, uh, well, the next moment is like, because the Rangers have been in the Eastern Conference Finals before, just uh, haven't got over the hump in a little bit of uh, a little bit of time here. Um, When you look at the total for this game at five and a half, which is what it was lined up as for game one. Game one goes over. Vasilevsky had a rough time. Do you see game two going under with a bounce back performance from Vasilevsky? I do.
2: I, I think that the improvement we're going to see in game two is going to be from the defense of Tampa. And I look for this game to uh, emulate the game we thought we were going to see in game one. So I'm looking at 2-1, 3-1, one, one, uh, you know, maybe a 4-1 if it gets out of hand. But I, I look for a very, very tight game. But I give the Rangers advantage because I, I know that they know That if they pop this balloon, Mm. there's going to be question marks in Tampa. And you're going to put doubt in Vasilevsky as he's trying to compete with his threat. A younger Russian netminder coming in, (laughs) trying to take his moniker of best goaltender.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Shesterkin, a finalist for the Vesna and the Hart Trophy. By the way, speaking of awards, how does Gallant not win the Jack Adams Award? He was the best coach this season. I I didn't understand that, Lou. I mean, he he deserved he, that award.
2: He's been he's been a top coach for so long, and it's another show where we talk about how greedy and naive Vegas was
1: to let him go. But uh, <laughs> I can tell you,
2: New York's pretty happy they got him.
1: Absolutely, Oilers and Avalanche. The Avs take a two games to none lead. I don't think any surprise here. But how important now is it for Edmonton? We know the numbers of teams that go down 3-0. If Edmonton wins game three, do you give them a chance in this series? Or are you aligned with what the odds say, which is that Colorado is an overwhelming favorite now to win this series?
2: Well, Colorado's an overwhelming public favorite, period. And so they have to make it that way. Um, it's hard to play the if game. But I can tell you what I saw tonight was after that first game, both teams talked about tightening up their defense and one team was able to do it, Colorado. They put McCarr on McDavid and McDavid was McSnuffed. (laughs) McCarr snuffed a couple of shots on McDavid that I was really impressed with. And uh, watching that matchup is fascinating. Uh, That's going to be a critical game. We're going to get Edmondson's absolute best effort Is it good enough? Uh, I don't think – listen, Colorado is going to try and close Edmonton out as fast as they can, but they better not do it in four or five because too much rest will do to them what it's going to do to Tampa, and I think impede them.
1: Who is your early pick right now for the Conn Smythe Award? Would you go with uh, McCarr for uh, Colorado or somebody else? I believe – that the
2: uh, team that hoists the cup is coming from the Wales, and so therefore it's Shostak or okay. for me.
1: You know, I I I was thinking about this because I, I think if the Rangers win, it's going to be Shostak, right? Because they're going to need him to to go out there and, and dominate and win. But Mika Zibanejad, after starting out very slowly in that Pittsburgh series has come on to have a really nice playoffs here for the Rangers. And if they advance and you can get him at a pretty decent price right now, Lou, any interest there? Um, no, but yeah. but it's de- I mean but it's debatable.
2: I I just can't see it going to anyone. Shosterkin has taken yeah. them on their on their back since
1: February. And, so. and and look at what happened last year when Braden Point scored more goals than anybody, but it was Vasilevsky who won the Conn Smythe.
2: It, it is. I, I I lean to goalies. They don't always win it. And in this offensive league, I mean, if you get Colorado there, you're going to see McCarr and McKinnon. But. Uh, mm-hmm. And if somebody beats Colorado, it's going to be Vasilevsky or Shesterkin. Yeah, you're probably right.
1: Yeah. Lou, appreciate the time and the conversation. Let's go Rangers in game two. <laughs> yeah. Hey,
2: Scott, thanks for having me on. Good luck to everybody.
1: There he is, Lou Finnecaro. Follow him on Twitter at Uh Does tremendous work. Read his stuff in Point Spread Weekly as well. And, you know, I, I think that, Rangers are a little bit underpriced right now because of everyone backing Tampa with the whole bounce back, the all the wins after a loss. Give me, give me the Rangers here in game two, defending home ice. I'll take the plus money every time with them at Madison Square Garden. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at scottsonair. This is The Look Ahead on v the sports betting network. Send the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vSIN.com to check the current betting splits data. The betting splits page will show you where the money and bets are moving for every game, and now it's updated every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all the action. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com. Scott Seidenberg back here. It's the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Coming up about 10 minutes, about 15 minutes from now, let's say. Uh, we're going to be joined by Seth Walder. From ESPN Sports Analytics. Um, they do a great job uh, with the football power index. And uh, they're using their predictive analysis. To talk about win totals in the NFL. Uh, chance to make the playoffs. Etc. So we'll talk to him about a bunch of teams. Uh, going on here in the NFL. I can tell you right now. Based off of their FPI rankings. The power rankings right now. The Buffalo Bills are The top team, the Green Bay Packers are two, Rams three, Chiefs four, Bucks five. So do I agree with the top five? I I think I'd have to. I don't know who I would put really in, in that top five ahead. And look at those odds for the Super Bowl. The Bills are your favorite, followed by the Bucks, then the Rams, Packers, and Chiefs. So that's the top five right there, and that's the top five that they have in their power rankings. The Chargers are the next, and they have the Chargers at seven and the Cowboys at six. Now, I completely disagree with that. I'm down on the Cowboys this year. I really am. Uh, I don't see them having a repeat performance and winning the division. I think that the Cowboys will take a step back this year. And so I'm I'm just not I'm not buying it, not buying the Cowboys, not buying them in the NFC East, not buying them to go 12 and five once again, and uh, I'm not buying them as sixth here on their ESPN FPI rank. So we'll talk to Seth about all of this. Uh, which teams uh, made the biggest jump from last season? Uh, are they as high on the New York Giants as I am? And you know with. Uh, My guy, Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, comeback player of the year. I'm telling you, that's the move right now. Especially with, you know, Brian Dable and that offense. And you just don't be surprised. The Giants have a very nice season. And their odds have changed, you know, to win the NFC East. People are really buying in on them now. So you're seeing uh, the market change. Let me get the latest odds here. On those New York football Giants, they are... To win the East, they are at. Oh, they're still ten to one up on DraftKings. I like it. I would place that bet. I'd place that bet. Uh, the the couple of interesting stories in the NFL. We, I think we expect Deshaun Watson to be suspended, and with the latest news of yet another uh, accuser coming out and filing charges against him. I, it's just a matter. I don't think it's a matter of if. I think it's a matter of when we find out that Deshaun Watson is suspended, and it's not going to be uh, Baker Mayfield at quarterback. They'll eventually move on from him. What are they waiting for? I don't. Know, maybe they're waiting for the market to get better, and maybe the market doesn't get better until training camp begins. Maybe the market doesn't get better until you know, someone gets hurt. And a team needs a quarterback. But right now, apparently there's no trade market because if there was, he would have been dealt already. And I can't see him playing there again. The guy takes out the full-page ad in the paper and he's thanking the city and whatnot. He's He's not staying there. So it's not like they're holding on to him as an insurance policy for when Deshaun Watson gets suspended. I think they are... Actively trying to move him. And they are preparing to go into the season with Jacoby Brissett as their starter. Wayne Watson gets suspended. Cause like I said, it's, it's not if it's when it's also a matter of how many games. And so you look at the Cleveland Browns who right now, um, people are very high on, or at least the market is high on. They are, the favorite to win the AFC North at plus one ninety to make the playoffs. The Browns are at. Well, I guess there's no odds on them here to make the playoffs, which makes sense with the whole uncertainty with the um, with with them regular season wins. There probably wouldn't be uh, a market on that them just yet as well with the whole um, Deshaun Watson uncertainty. But I don't think they deserve to be favorites to win that division. First off, the division's wide open. And, yeah, I guess you look at the market. The only long shot is the Steelers. But, honestly, I'd put in a long shot bet on the Steelers. What if Kenny Pickett is the guy? I mean, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. So, maybe the Steelers have a pretty good season this year and have a chance I expect the Ravens to be much better than they were last year. In fact, I'd have the Ravens over the Cleveland Browns. With all their players coming back healthy, absolutely I'd rather have the Baltimore Ravens than the Cleveland Browns. Now, the schedule, I said the schedule, it, it does help the Browns if Deshaun Watson is out. For let's say he's out for four weeks, they start the year with the Panthers, Jets, Steelers, and Falcons. Even with Jacoby Brissett, those are all winnable games. If he's out six weeks, all right, Chargers and Patriots, but both of those games are at home. Still, it's a little uncertain there. I'd say best case scenario without Deshaun Watson, best case scenario. This is a, you want to say a four and two team? And do you think that they would sign on for four and two after the first six weeks? I think they'd sign on for four and two, even if they had Deshaun Watson at the quarterback position. Now, that I think is the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is that they're two and four and that they lose. Maybe a game that they're favored in, which they'll be favored in, in In the first couple of games at least. You know, we don't have uh, the lines on their games because they don't know who's going to be quarterback. But they would likely be favored without Deshaun Watson, maybe slight favorites at the Panthers. They'll be favored at home against the Jets, they'll be favored at home against the Steelers slightly. They'll be favored at the Falcons. They'll be dogs at home to the Chargers, I believe. And they'll be dogs at home to the Patriots, or maybe that one's pretty close. I think they are obviously the most intriguing team because of the uncertainty, although I don't think that there is any uncertainty. I think we are going to get a Deshaun Watson suspension. And then it's just a matter of how many games is he out, And how many games do the Cleveland Browns win while he is out to see if they still have a chance to win this division? Elsewhere, we had a couple of uh, retirement announcements. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick announces his retirement. Uh, Dude's been in the league for a long time. 39 years old. You know, I thought he'd be older, he's only 39. 17 seasons in the league. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who bounced around from team to team, a very serviceable guy, a serviceable quarterback for many, many years in the NFL. And how about Frank Gore, who, um, 39 years old Frank Gore, who signs a one-year deal with the San Francisco 49ers to officially retire as a member Of the 49ers. Frank Gore. One of the top um, running backs. In NFL history. And then there's so much talk. About Tua. And the Miami Dolphins. Because um, Tua. Completed a couple of passes. During the mini camp. On Thursday. A couple of big passes. To Tyreek Hill. And all of a sudden. uh, He's like. um, Starting to push back. On anybody who's. Criticizing his arm strength. It's like. Dude, just let your play do the talking, all right? You don't need to answer any critics. You got a good team. There's a lot of potential for this Dolphins team. Does the computers, ESPN Sports Analytics crew, do they agree that the Dolphins have potential? We'll ask that question, and we'll talk about the Browns and the Giants and some others with Seth Walder from ESPN Sports Analytics. You will join me coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN. Sports Betting Network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season into weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of sixty-two thousand five hundred dollars in total cash prizes at the draftkingscom moon. now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. Twenty-one and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Scott Zadenberg back here on The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network. Joining us now from ESPN Sports Analytics, he is Seth Walder. Seth, let's talk about your uh, football rankings and the FPI. How do you evaluate the Cleveland Browns? We just got done talking about the Cleveland Browns. A lot of uncertainty with Deshaun Watson. I think he's going to be suspended. I think everyone understands that. We don't know how long. So how do you take a look at the Cleveland Browns with that uncertainty?
3: yeah it's you know it's obviously a tricky situation to forecast i think the way let me tell you how our model handles it and it's not perfect and i think i'll you know i would be the first to say
0: at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field is uncanny usa
1: he says somebody's in the house and i screamed
0: listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
3: the model assumes that watson would play the entire will play the entire season or you know have a, a regular start to the year um, but the reason why we're kind of down on them, you, you know, relative to what you might expect for a full 17 games of Deshaun Watson, is that it also sees that Watson didn't play last year. And the model, when we have our forecasted, projected quarterback performance model, anytime a player doesn't play, it assumes a bad thing has happened. They've either gotten hurt or they weren't good enough to get on the field. Now, there's, in this case, it's, it's an a entirely different situation. Um, but ultimately, it has essentially a depressed version of Deshaun Watson in there, um, and maybe that's kind of like f- fair. You know, it's kind of like we've gone through the, the incorrect process, but we get to the right scenario where we have them as the tenth best team in the league uh, this year, and uh, let's say a fifty-seven percent chance to make the playoffs. That might that doesn't feel crazy to me, uh, given the uncertainty of what could happen there.
1: So what exactly goes in? Give me a a quick synopsis of what goes into your FPI So Deshaun Watson obviously didn't play last year, but you're still looking at him as the player that he was with other teams. Like how much does uh, the the, the quarterback or the team's uh, star players average play come into effect? Do you boost them up based off of maybe a a good season last year? Do you downgrade them off of a last year uh, subpar Mm -hmm. performance? How does that all work? So we treat,
3: uh, qu- there's sort of two different categories, quarterbacks and non-quarterbacks. For the quarterbacks, we have this uh, very, you know, specific quarterback model. And it's uh, essentially, we're going to consider all snaps that they've ever played in the NFL. So, uh, except for Tom Brady, I think we lose the very beginning of his career <laughs> data-wise. Data but like for anybody else, we're looking at every single snap you've ever played. Uh, And then the more recent stuff is going to have a bigger is going to have a bigger impact. So a guy like Russell Wilson uh, had a down year last year. The model is saying, well, we know that he was really good before. He played worse last year. Maybe the truth is somewhere in between those two things. But we're what year are we going to weight the highest last season because it's the most recent. Uh, So for quarterbacks that's how that works for non-quarterbacks it's a little different we have it's kind of just like an ensemble of a bunch of different rating systems uh that weight the strength you know, the key being of course that we want to know while none of them are as important as quarterbacks we do need to know about the rest of your roster strength and uh who a quarterback's throwing to and what their offensive line is like etc so we do consider uh all the rest of those players as well though The quarterback is, of course, a huge driver.
1: So, uh, and speaking of a quarterback, I've been very high this offseason on Daniel Jones. I think the addition of Brian Dable is going to work wonders for him. The Giants are a lot healthier coming into this season than they've been. And uh, there's a lot to prove now for Daniel Jones. Uh, I'm high on the Giants this season, but specifically Daniel Jones. I I mean, I want to play him eight to one comeback player of the year this year in the NFL. What does your model say about Jones and the New York Giants?
3: well you know what I'm with you can I give you just like qualitatively I think that Jones like you know I'm doing some of these like best ball fantasy drafts and Jones is a guy that I'm targeting because I agree I think that that day ball offense which was so successful in Buffalo he's obviously dealing with a less talented quarterback in Daniel Jones but I think he might be able to get more out of jones and i I like the fact that he obviously incorporated josh allen's rushing ability so much in buffalo that's a strength for jones so uh incorporating that i think is is good joe we have the giants as well you could call it somewhat of an optimistic view the 22nd best team their 33 percent chance to reach the playoffs but like you know at caesars they're plus 250 to reach the playoffs so that's a slight value there uh, and so I would say we're slightly bullish on the Giants. I, and I think that there's also a little room to grow. Here's another factor that goes into our game prediction model is we have a pass rate over expectation uh, factor. So essentially, how often do these coaches pass uh, more or less than you would expect given the game situation? Dayball in Buffalo, they passed a lot more than you would expect given the game situation in Buffalo. That's obviously a good thing. Passing is more efficient than rushing. Now, we don't just assume that it's going to be the same scenario when he comes to a new team, but we do think they're going to pass more often than they did last year or at least have pass plays, allowing, allowing for scrambles. And I think that that is a little bit of a boost. That should be a little bit of a boost for the Giants uh, and could nudge them, nudge them up in terms of the playoff probabilities.
1: I, I love it. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not even a Giants fan. I'm a Jets fan, Seth. So this is, you know, says a lot coming from me. <laughs> I'm Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to apologize. I've been dealing with it for 37 years. So uh, as far as the, as far as my Jets are concerned, I do think they exceed their win total of five and a half. Is that just me being a homer, or do do, do you guys give them a good chance to get to six, maybe seven wins?
3: We have it right at five and a half. I understand what you're saying. Like, if you look at the Jets, you can see the upside case,
1: right? Like, well, the rookies they they got they got four players in the draft that are going to contribute immediately for this team.
3: Yeah, of course. And you can look at this. You can look at them and say, well, uh, and what about Corey Davis? You know, maybe he bounces back Mm -hmm. a little bit, and and maybe you get. That uh, more production, uh, the guy the second year guys take a step up, and all of a sudden, now this offense is uh, is there's a lot of potential. It all hinges on Zach Wilson, of course, but I think uh, you can you can look at this Jets team and see it. Uh, but there's just so many variables there. We're talking about new pass rushers, new corners. Uh, I think. I, like I said to someone recently, I'm just so fascinated by them because I think the variance is huge there. Like it could really go, it could really hmm. go south, and it could really go well. Uh, and but ultimately, we put them right at the win total, five and a half.
1: I want to stick in that division because the Dolphins obviously got better this off season, but much like with Zach Wilson, it, it all falls on him. It all falls on Tua. Uh, how good can the Dolphins be according to your projections this season?
3: We're somewhat skeptical. We have them as the as the we put them thirty five percent chance to reach the playoffs. We have them as the twenty first best team. I think ultimately the difference here is we got to, with with Tua a little larger sample size, and he hasn't been able to break out totally. And you know, he was eighteenth in QBR last season, and so the longer you play without performing well. Uh, the longer the model will say, uh, "Okay, it's less and less likely that this player actually pans out and improves." So, you know, I'm not going to rule anything out for a breakout for uh, for two of this year or anything like that. Obviously, uh, adding adding Tyree Hill, uh, I think Jalen Waddles a, a really good receiver. They upgraded the offensive line, which they desperately needed to do, uh, and that that is all important. So, there's definitely potential there, but only 21st in the league.
1: All right, give me the team that takes the biggest jump from last year to this year according to your projections.
3: In terms of wins or ranking, do you think? Like how good are you? How many wins you get?
1: Uh, let's go with let's go with the ranking. Like who do you think has the biggest improvement from last year to this year? We've got the Broncos at 12. Oh, it almost it's got to be the Broncos, right? I yeah, mean, with Russell I, Wilson. I, I mean,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, I think right. I don't have been, I don't have where we fin- they finished last year but I'm sure it wasn't 12. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, that, <laughs> with adding Russell Wilson, I mean, that's just, like, even though we're kind of down on Wilson, like, I think we might even be, like, more down on that, on him than, than I would have guessed uh, because he has been so good, you know, prior to last season. And, he, and the other thing is, like, he was banged up last year, which the model the model doesn't know. So uh, I think that there's a lot of potential there in Denver their wide receiver courts like we think it's good players there's no superstar there yet you know could judy turn into that guy could Courtney Sutton turn into that guy tim patrick's a nice third receiver but there's not there's not a, a clear-cut awesome number one there and that is a, one thing that we're a little bit down on but certainly like sertan on the other side of the ball uh, adding Randy Gregory, like there's, you know, there's, you know, there's lots of like there too.
1: Yes, there is, Seth. I appreciate the time and the insight as always, and hope to catch up to you again soon. Thank you. He's Seth Walder from ESPN Sports Analytics. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is the Look Ahead here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: If you dare.